Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. everyone to another episode of GTF Gabriel Talks Football. My name is Aldo Gandia and before I bring Greg in I want to share with you a, a couple of programming notes. Uh, this week is the season debut of Buffon 55. John Buffon, the nephew of the great Chicago Bears linebacker Doug Buffon has been hosting a show. This is going to be his sixth season. So uh, it's going to be a, a, a fantastic season. His co-host, Alyssa Barbieri, many people know she is the managing editor over at Bears Wire for the USA Today. And she's all over the place. I think she writes more stuff about the Chicago Bears than probably all the combined beat writers put together. So that show is Wednesday at 7 p.m. Central. And um, I also want to mention the Barfly Tailgate Show. If you did not see yesterday's show, then you really missed a laugh-a-thon and great football analysis and debate. Just fantastic. I laughed so much at some of the stuff they were talking about, and we're going to be talking about that more in some future shows this week. Uh, and so Chris Watts is in the uh, chat room, and he's one of the members of the Butterfly Tailgate Show. But I just wanted to uh, mention them because it's a great way to start your football Sundays. They will be starting at 9 a.m. Central every uh, every week, every Sunday. So uh, check them out. Have a good laugh and uh, talk some football with uh, five very, very passionate Chicago Bears fans. Now, t- talking about passion, let me bring in Greg. Greg, how are you, my man? I'm good. How are you? I am fantastic. The Chicago Bears looked incredible Saturday. Sometimes I'm asking you to talk me off the ledge. Talk me off the top of the mountain. <laughs> well, the, the, the you know third team defense let uh, or let the Brownies back in the game there to make it a little bit interesting, and mm-hmm. we had a doink field goal attempt on a long field. It was a long field goal, so uh, but. No, it, it, was, it was a good game. It's what you want. Hey, you got through the preseason undefeated. Hopefully there was no catastrophic injuries. Uh, the rookie Robinson had a leg injury. Who the hell knows what that is because they don't tell you. Mm-hmm. Uh, if he winds up on IR today or tomorrow, then you know that, uh, you know, it was a problem. But, uh, you know, somebody had it here in the chat room. Uh, do I got any secret cuts? No, let, let them do what they want. Um, but I'm going to say one thing because it's an interesting thing. Most cases, and I'm sure it is here right now, the GM has control of the roster. So who makes a team and who doesn't? And the coach has control of who plays. But, and it's a huge but. You don't really want to butt head. Maybe on one guy, you know, you say, I, I'm going to use my authority on this one, but you, you never want to force a player on a coach because it'll never work. So especially if the coach is saying, no, I want to keep this guy. And, and uh, 
the GM wants to keep another guy and, and you can't find a third position where you can get rid of somebody, uh, you know, it's just not going to work. The coaching staff won't let it work, mm-hmm. you know, so it, it, it not to be spiteful or anything. It's just the way it is. So um, I, I, I think there's on whoever the names are going to be, it's going to be a general consensus between the coaching staff and the front office. The one name where I have no idea mm-hmm. whether he's going to make this team or not is, is Schofield. Yeah. He's a name that uh, has gotten praise and a lot of criticism. Well, you know, he, he didn't start off the preseason real well. Let's put it that way. And, and, and then, uh, you know, played a backup role the other night. He's a guard. He can play tackle. Uh, so the versatility helps. He's played tackle uh, in, in the league, but he's also on the other side of 30, I think. And are they going to keep a young guy over him? But if you do, you got a lot of young guys on your offensive line. You'd really have your only bet- veteran backup would be uh, Riley Reef. Everybody else is a relatively young player. Do you want to go into the season with that? So I think that that's an interesting discussion that they they will be having. Um, Jatiri Carter, I don't think played that much. I got to rewatch the game, but I don't think he played that much the other night. And to me, that was telling. That's saying let's we don't want any more on of him on tape. Mm. So. Um, you know, just in case, because that's a guy we want to slip through and then bring back to the practice squad. Mm-hmm. And being they got him as late as they did, um, you know, there's a pretty good chance that would happen. But you still, you know, you gotta you gotta see how it shakes out. And and uh, the other thing too that's real important, where the roster for next week and the roster for game two might be two different things. And the reason being, and and we've talked about this several times before, is if you have a veteran, a vested veteran, that means four years or more in the league, Mm -hmm. he is once if he's on the 53-man roster week one, his salary is guaranteed for the year. You let that guy be on the street for a week and you can cut a side deal with him. And he is, you know, then he's week to week, like, like a rookie is, he doesn't have a guaranteed salary. He's not, he's not going to lose any money on a weekly basis, but he doesn't have that, that guarantee in his back pocket. And a lot of times teams will go out and sign some vets in week two that they wanted, but they just didn't want to guarantee the salary because they're going to be backups. Anyone on the uh, present roster for the Chicago Bears that you see that could potentially happen, that they would be cut and with the idea of bringing them back in in week two? Um, like a Dane Crookshank, perhaps? You know, he was brought in for a reason. He had some injury situations. This guy's a pretty good player at Tennessee. I think so. Okay. He was he was a very good teams player. And number two, he was the dime 
defensive back, which Essence was the second linebacker when they went to six DBs, and and he played really good football. Mm-hmm. Okay, he played good football Saturday night, his first uh, opportunity to play. So I I personally can't see him going. I I think um, there could be some interesting situations at at corner. It wouldn't shock me if two guys go on IR and go on IR after the cutdown. Because if you put a guy on IR today or tomorrow, he is out for the year. Okay. Okay. If you put him, if you have him on your initial 53-man roster through tomorrow, then you put him on IR on Wednesday, then you can bring him back. After a minimum of four weeks. So guys that didn't practice or play that much, and I'm talking Thomas Graham and uh, Young, uh, it wouldn't shock me if they end up on IR to start the season. Mm -hmm. Uh, The wide receiver on Kill Harry, he'll probably be on, depending on the status of that High, high ankle sprain, he'll probably be on IR. Now, if they think he can play in two weeks, he'll be on the 53. But if he's, you know, another three weeks, four weeks away, then he'll go to IR. Hmm. We got a lot of uh, great questions already. And so let's talk, uh, let's entertain some of these questions. We'll continue to talk about Saturday's game. I've got highlights of Justin Fields' three touchdown passes. I want to get Greg's comments on that. Let's uh, go to this question first. Uh, what do you think about Mario Edwards, given his lack of reps? Uh, is he in danger of perhaps not being uh, favored by this new staff? You know, I, I don't have an answer to that. I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. You know, the, the, there's a lot of vets that they have purposely not played. They know what they can do. Um, he may be one of them. You know, I went in beginning a camp thinking that he was going to be alternating at, at the three technique with Jones. And Jones played pretty good the other night when he really got that opportunity. So, um, you know, and they don't have a pure three behind him. Blackson has lost a lot of weight, it looks like. And he has played some three during the preseason. You know, he could do it. Um and then, and, and the name's a statement. What's his name? Coley or Cooley? Yeah, Coley. He's played really good. I think he's a wild card. Yeah, yeah. You know, he has three sacks. Um, and he's, you know, played in the league for uh, Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And you make that team on defense, you know, that says something about that he's a good football player. Yeah. But is he, you know, the ideal fit for this scheme? You know, then we're going to find this all out within 24 to 48 hours because, again, some of these guys could be let loose and then brought back on Wednesday uh, when guys go on IR. Mm-hmm. Um, Danny Shimon, I know, has, has predicted that uh, Tonga will be cut and Coley would be kept. What are your feelings about uh, Tonga, the second-year guy? I think he played at BYU uh, his draft yeah. last season. You know, that's a good question. I think he's played pretty good. 
Mm-hmm. I've seen some, you know, um, tweets out that you know, he's garbage. I don't know what the hell they're watching. Mm-hmm. He, he's doing exactly what the uh, zero tech, they play a zero and a one in this scheme. So, but it's not a pure nose all the time. You know, he does what he's supposed to do and he's quick off the ball. Mm-hmm. He's very quick off the ball. What he ha- lacks that you want defensive linemen to have is short arms. Mm-hmm. But he's strong. You know, they still got him listed at like 330 something. I guarantee you he's 320, 318, something like that. A lot of these guys are smaller. Like, in fact, I saw there's a, a, a website I can go on and I, I wanted to look up who played because it, Carter did play, but he might have played on special teams. I don't recall him being in the game as, as, as a regular guard position, but he may have been. I just, you know, I got to go back and watch. Uh, and if anybody else saw it, just chime in and leave the note. But um, I just don't re- remember him seeing him during the games, but he could have been on the special teams part. Um, no, I lost my whole train of thought. See, that's what happens when you get old. You know? <laughs> Tell me about you're, it. You're talking about one thing and you're thinking about saying something else, and then that something else goes way out the freaking window. I, I can't do that multitasking, thinking <laughs> and talking at the same time. So I'm not expecting you to. How about if we entertain another question? Nomad wants to know about Gibson. He played all four quarters. And the, is there something strange about this guy who is? potentially a starter or should be see significant time. Is there something strange about the fact that in the final preseason game, they had him playing all four quarters? Yeah, but he wasn't playing every down. He was playing in a rotation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and so no, not really. They're, they're going to rotate four edge players. Uh, I just don't know who the fourth is. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, there's Muhammad. There's Quinn. There's Gibson. I don't know who the force could Is it Robinson? Is it Camara? Uh, you know, one of these guys are going to, it's going to be the fourth guy. And then, you know, probably four interior guys. And it wouldn't be shock me if they had nine guys, mm-hmm. you know, total uh, between the two. But again, we'll see. Your thoughts about the offensive line, uh, Chris wants to know, what do you feel the, the starting offensive line will be? Do you think it's going to be Braxton Jones at left tackle, Cody White here at the left guard, Lucas Patrick at center, at right guard, Tevin Jenkins, and at right tackle, Larry Borum or uh, Riley Reef? That seems to be the consensus. Well, I don't – Riley Reef played about – 12 snaps all preseason. That was a, at left tackle. I, I don't think Riley Reeves in the equation, okay. except, a, except as a backup. Uh, no, I think it's going to be that. Uh, it's assuming Patrick can play in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Now he's, he's stepped up his conditioning, and that's been noted by people. Uh, and if, I, I think I said last week, if he had broke his left thumb, he'd be playing now. Mm. but it was his right. He's got a snap with that. So, uh, you know, until they feel comfortable that he can get the ball back, uh, he won't be playing, which it is brings up another question on the depth because the name, it it just hit me. And um, 
Dieter Iceland's played center the last couple weeks and hasn't played bad. Mustafer's played well. Both of those guys can play guard. And so Mustafer didn't get, because Patrick got hurt, Mustafer didn't get the reps in the game playing guard, but he's got them in practice. Mm-hmm. And so do you keep Iceland and Mustafer to be swing center guards behind Patrick when Patrick's ready to go and Schofield's gone? You know, that that's one of the discussions that, you know, they're, they're going to be having or already had. Yeah. But, you know, the other thing, you see a lot of people write and tweet and stuff about, you know, guys trying to make plays in the third preseason game to make the team. Uh, guess what? Those decisions were already made. Mm. There's been the whole off season, five weeks of practice or four weeks of practice, two games. And then, you know, it's like, unless somebody just absolutely jumped out or somebody got hurt. And so now you got to elevate somebody else because of the injury. Most of those decisions had been made way before Saturday night's game. Hmm. Yeah. You've, you've mentioned that before that, that, that typically happens with all NFL teams. There's very few times where there's, there's roster fights being you know, being held uh, in that last preseason game, perhaps you know to determine who goes to the practice squad, right? Oh, um, no, even that. And I've said this that you know, you look at some of the contracts that these guys signed, rookies mm-hmm. signed, and and if they had guaranteed money, depending on the amount, if it was five thousand bucks, they're not going to you know give a damn. But if it's you know like a portion of the salary. Chances are that guy's going to end up on the practice squad because they um, offset each other. Mm-hmm. Um, by the way, Detroit looked awful. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm saying that because Don Burr, our resident Lions fan, is in the uh, chat room. And I saw the first half of that Steelers Lions game and Oh, that was one of the ugliest games. First of all, there was a flag. Uh, At one point, there were five flags thrown on consecutive plays. It was atrocious. And Mitchell Trubisky looked good for a series or so, but the game was pathetic. Anyway, so off my soapbox there. Um, All right, let's – You know, that that brings up a point. Mm -hmm. I don't think the Bears had 15 penalties in three preseason games. Yep, very disciplined. Incredible. They, the, the way that team and, and um, I know in the first half they had one and that was the holding call on Griffin on the long run by, yeah. by Monty. And right. that is the only penalty in offense or defense in the first half. Yeah. I know there were at least a couple in the second half and I don't have the stat line in front of me to, to look at the total penalties, but I, I think they only had uh, six or seven last week total. Mm-hmm. You know, and that in a preseason game, those that's incredible numbers. That is incredible. Yeah, this team looks like it's so well coached. Oil Pan Willie and a couple of my other friends have wanted me to ask you, what do you think about this new coaching system or or uh, coaching staff, and how 
they're getting such immediate results in terms of things like that, discipline and execution and playing hard. Have you ever seen a coaching staff get immediate results? I mean, we were only a small sample size, of course, in preseason games, but it does look very impressive. And it's hard to think about previous Chicago Bears regime that has gotten such quick results. You know, it jumps out to me watching the, is the, the tape and the, and the game is the second effort mm-hmm. and and sometimes third effort. Mm-hmm. And, and the reason being is nobody wants to be called out in the meeting room for a loaf. Because that, and, and, and you know, that's embarrassing because, you know, your teammates are going to start laughing at you. Mm-hmm. And, so, you know, you just don't want to go through that stuff, even though it's probably not that big a deal. But um, I, I just like – the offensive lineman, perfect example, and, and Tevin it did, did it now the, the you know third game in a row. He's like driving people through the pile, mm-hmm. and it, you know trying to and, and that's to ensure himself that he's not getting hit with a loaf penalty. I love it. I he love had it. one bad. I, I saw one bad play again. That was the first play of the game, and there he actually. His initial contact on that pull, that short pull to the right, was good. He didn't sustain the block. Jordan has been saying now for uh, a couple of weeks that this coaching staff reminds him of the Lovey Smith staff in many different ways. Do you feel the same way, that there's some similarities in terms of their approach to handling players? Um, I think this one's a little more disciplined. I mean, I was part of being on that staff. Uh, and we had some really good coaches. We had a few. I mean, there were some turnover. There were some that weren't quite as good. I remember, um, you know, the off, the, the offensive coordinator we had the first year. What the hell is his name? The guy from uh, AC? No, yeah, Shay. Barry <laughs> Shay. And, and the day after the season, Lovey just walked into his office and said, you know, Terry, we're 31st in offense. I'm making a change. And that was it. I mean, bye. Oh, I can just hear Lovey with that that drawl of his and so calm. And very, yeah, very calm and fatherly like. Yeah, that's great. Um, what about Denzel Mills? Jordan wants to know about him. I know on a social media, you and, I, <laughs> you and I went back. Cut it out, Jordan. <laughs> if anything, you would inquire about him after a couple of weeks into the season if things get really bad, well, right? I, I, number one, I, he put up some good numbers the other day. The head coach is on record as saying, as far as I'm concerned, he's here. Yep. But again, see, that's a situation where, you know, the front office might not like the player as much as the coaching staff, and, and the guy with the GM title has got control of the roster. Mm-hmm. Um, but if the coach really wants the guy, they're going to probably keep the guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if he ends up anywhere, you know, Carolina called Matt rule coached him in college. Uh, but I, I know Scott Fitterer very, very well. We worked together in New York, Scott's first few years in the league before he went to Seattle. Um, and, and Scott, is a very good evaluator. I mean, he's not going to overpay for the guy. He might give, you know, a seventh round pick 
next, you know, next year or the year after, but, uh, or, or maybe even a conditional pick, mm-hmm. especially because of all the, you know, the, the bad pub that's been going up. And I saw some cartoon on Twitter saying that, you know, uh, showing Joe Douglas with a kind of like a smirk face in the arrow pointing it up because the guy had a, a, a good game yesterday. So what he's playing the freaking giants too suck, you know? So, um, <laughs> you know, uh, there's no question the guy's got talent. There's mm-hmm. some issues there, and I'm not going to get into what they are. And and um, I don't want him on this team. If the front office feels that he can help, then fine. So an absolute no to Josh Gordon, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. (laughs) All right. I want to share with you and our followers the first touchdown. We've got the broadcast copy followed by the All-22 and then the end zone camera. And um, my good friend Oil Pan Wooly said that he was really impressed with the separation the Bears wide receivers are getting, something that he rarely saw under the Matt Nagy regime. And as soon as I saw the replay on this touchdown, I thought the same thing in terms of route concepts and separation. This was a thing of beauty. I tweeted out, Getsy genius. The the key to that whole play was, no, it was? No. Equinemius. Okay, tell me why. He's right here. I think that's him, right? Play, and then he does a watch. No, he it was the inside guy. See, he does that thing where he breaks to the outside and then goes back inside, yes. and he froze this guy. Right, he's the corner. He's the slot. I'm pointing at the screen, and you can't. <laughs> Nobody can see what the hell I'm pointing at. <laughs> but see, he froze that guy, and that made Griffin like totally wide open. Yep. The. Uh... I, I believe uh, J.T. Snowden uh, uh, looked at this play and said that they were playing a three-zone, three-deep zone, and so uh, the slot receiver, I guess that's Equinemius, really got the number twenty-nine there with his back to to the camera, uh, really got him to bite on this play. So yeah, I got, well, that's, he thought it might be a you know an out, right? And he was going to try to jump the route, but in the meantime. Tight ends wide open over the top, mm-hmm. and the safety's looking to his left, mm-hmm. so he's reacting late to the play. It was, you know, it was a good design play, but EQ sold the ball, sold the whole play. Mm. You know, you know, and he's not going. And I tweeted that out too, but he's not going to get credit by in the media for that. But if he doesn't run that route as good as he does. That touchdown might not happen. Yep. And the mechanics here from Justin Fields just look fantastic in uh, the way he rips this ball to the receiver. Gorgeous throw in between those, those two defenders. Yeah. Well, it wasn't a real tight window. I mean, he was he was open. Well, he, he could have even <laughs> let go of the ball a split second earlier. It was there. So, yeah. Um, you know, it, 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 but no, I'm not going not, not gonna to nitpick. He, it was a it was a great play, but again, I'll go back. EQ he'll get praised by the coaches mm-hmm. because his route opened things up. Well, it's funny that you say that about nitpicking because I was thinking the very same thing. You know, I, I think on two of the three touchdown passes, Fields probably could have got rid of that ball a nanosecond or more. 
a, a little sooner. And I know that's not a big deal. The play worked. The touchdown was scored. But we, we're always looking for perfection, right? So, well, yeah, yeah it, but exp- that'll come with experience. Absolutely. Because he's, he's seeing the take, too. And the mm-hmm. coach is going to be telling him, hey, look at mm-hmm. it. You could have – when he's right here, that's when the ball should come out of your hand. Right. All right, let's go to the second touchdown. Hell of a hell of a route by Pettis. Mm-hmm. You know, he fakes the inside, comes back to the the corner route, got very good separation because he had a good fake to the inside. But again, that was a, a throw that that Justin could have got out of his hand right now. Right. See, that's what I thought too. So, but uh, that'll come, you know, you, you more experience in the offense, more experience with the receivers. Um, you know, when you look, you see where his head is when you see it from the end zone, mm-hmm. then that, you know, it, it changes your thinking a little bit because he, he was looking to his right. Mm-hmm. So he's looking up, watch, he's looking, he's right now he's going left, but mm-hmm. he's going to go right in a second watch. Yep. See, right there. And yep. then he comes back. Right. Um, so, you know, he looked off and that might've helped the, uh, uh, the, uh, EQ or not EQ, uh, Pettis open up a little bit because the, the, the safety back there, the corner, whoever's covered him, you know, could have been reading the head of, uh, Justin Fields thinking mm-hmm. that he's going to go with the first read. Yeah. I mean, I, this is a great decision by Fields because my thought initially was hit Cole Komet right over the middle. You got him right there. He's probably Yeah, but you got a safety there. Play this sort of, let's see how the safety comes up. You'd have to hit him right now. Yeah. And uh, and because that safety was looking at Komet. Mm-hmm. And, and that could have been a pick. Yeah. Or it's not a safety. He was a linebacker. Linebacker. But, right. Yeah. So, um, uh, he was in good position. He was eyeballing Komet. He he made the right decision. I mean, he got the touchdown. Mm-hmm. The other one would have been, you know, a five-yard gain, and there's nothing wrong with a five-yard gain, but you're, you're going to take the score first. Mm-hmm. Danger T had asked a question just before we put that highlight up. Uh, uh, what are your thoughts on Dante Pettis? His route running looks good. I recall when uh, the Bears signed him, you said that he was a promising player. He's got talent. He he's and he played pretty good as a rookie and hasn't done anything since. And I don't know the reason why. Mm-hmm. You know, I the coaching staff might you know might have done a lot of research. This guy was a second round pick and was highly thought of uh, coming out of the University of Washington and just didn't produce. And I will tell you what, there's a few receivers that have come out of Washington high picks that didn't produce. So, it, you know, some of it could be um, the, the the lack of sophistication within that Washington offense. And, and so what the receivers are asked to do there versus what they're asked to do at the NFL level is two different things. And they ju- it just takes them a while to catch up. Mm-hmm. Could be his football character, you know, that he didn't put in the work needed. Um He's had a pretty good camp to mm-hmm. date. Um, he can run. I don't know if he can run like he did when he came out of college. He was a sub 4-4 guy. Um, but he's still fast enough. There's no mm-hmm. question about that. So um, he can play on teams as a return guy. 
he's not going to be your number one returner. He could be your number two punt returner, um, maybe even number three punt returner. I don't know if he's been playing on cover teams. I'd have to go back and, and watch those because I haven't looked for him. So, you know, he may very well have done it. I love Jordan's comparison here. A diet version of Olave. Uh, what? Not, explain to me what a diet version is. I would say like because uh, he's because he's bigger than Olave, uh, but probably has similar skills, but not as fast as uh, as Olave is what I'm guessing. So Jordan, give us another message message there. Uh, well, this this guy ran like four three six or something when he was coming out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All I right. mean, he he could run. And you go back and you and you look at his his college tape, and it's it's very impressive. I had a I had a second round pick mm-hmm. up, um, but his you know the key like EQ EQ was a a good route runner, but not a great runner. He was at Notre Dame, and I I saw some practice tape of him up in Green Bay, and when he was going in into and out of his breaks, he was sinking his hips a lot better than he ever did at Notre Dame. And that's one of the little things that you have to do to get open and create separation. Mm-hmm. All right, let's take a look at this third touchdown. Um, this is the wide open touchdown to commit on play action, rolling, pump fakes to the running back, wide open. is had to be a blown coverage there, and you'll see it on the all 22 on which the is, wide angle. Which is coming right up now there it is when a worst come oh commit's over right in coming over right yeah commit is he's on the left side of the formation oh yeah no way that could play back play back no he wasn't he was he was split out on the right i see i see he was in motion yeah there he right. is in motion and he goes up yeah, the corner. My goodness. The corner blew that. The corner mm-hmm. went with the receiver in the middle, and the safety went with the receiver in the middle and left him wide open. There's three defenders for the Browns guarding one man in the middle of the field in the end zone. <laughs> right. In the meantime, Cole Komet, you know, the nearest guy to him is right now 10 yards away. That is amazing. And that's not even – that's one of the – no, that is a Brown. Ten yards away was was the nearest guy when when he caught the ball. Mm-hmm. And the blocking on all of these plays was exemplary. This is where I, I started thinking, well, maybe he should get rid of that ball, buddy. But uh, maybe he wanted to make sure Cole Komet was fully turned around uh, to fire the ball to him. Great stuff. Uh, and those, are, those are passes that you drop because they're too easy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I was dropping it on my mind. When I, when you know, I it's like, oh, well, you're wide open. There's nobody within 10 yards of it. And you, go, <laughs> and you take your eye off it and you drop it. Yep. I forgot to include that one replay of when uh, Fields was looking downfield, got all the defenders to go to the right on a third down play, and then – Without looking, he had that no-look pass to Pettis at the sideline to pick up the first down. It was a Patrick Mahomes-type play, which uh, Justin Fields is proving that he can do those uh, Mahomes-like magic plays. It's just going to you know, take a little time, take a little time to get well, – you know, he, was, he was a pretty good shortstop in high school. Mm-hmm. 
you know, I saw some, um, there's tape of him. On, you can find it on YouTube that, that uh, uh, shows him working out at, you know, it might've been at a, uh, like an all-star camp or something playing um, shortstop fielding grounders, getting the ball out of his glove right away. And, and, you know, he can change the angle of his throw and that's what it is. The baseball experience. Mahomes has that baseball experience too. Mm-hmm. Seems like a, a more and more quarterbacks are, uh, uh, have that baseball experience and use those throwing techniques of uh, like the shortstop, the second baseman uh, that when they turn over double plays uh, is really helping them. Um, uh, my man, Gabriel, asked the question, who do you compare Justin Fields to? Do you have a comp on Fields? No, not really. I, in all honesty, I mean, I like comps sometimes when I, it, you know, just reminds me, but, you know, I go back when I worked for the Giants and, and George Young said, Grant, this isn't fucking Hinduism now. He goes, there's no such thing as reincarnation. <laughs> I love it. H guys is, own guy. That's a good George Young impersonation. I've heard him on NFL films a number of times. You sound a lot like him. That's good stuff. Well, hell, I've worked with him for a number of years. I, I just love it. He, you know, because George was until the later part of his career was a big, big man, mm-hmm. and so he didn't want to get up from his desk and. Uh, you know, walk into another office. He'd just yell from his from his office. And Harry, Harry Humes was the assistant GM mm-hmm. at the time, and Harry was office was right next to George. And and while George would negotiate the big contracts, Harry did a lot of the the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. And there was one thing I'm I'm walking by the office and might have been during during our uh, February pre combine meetings or something because I know and I know it wasn't for the draft because George sat in the meetings for the draft and all of a sudden you hear this bellowing voice Harry did you get that fucking contract done yet <laughs> you know the whole building could hear it <laughs> I love it <laughs> <laughs> that is great. Got a question here from uh, Michael. Greg Vilder going to be the CB2? I'd like to see Gordon fill that role, then slide into the slot on third downs. What are your thoughts? I don't think they're going to overload Gordon as a rookie. Really? Um, not that. I mean, that could be the case, mm-hmm. but that means he's got to be at, at two different positions. And I'll say this. You go back and you look at Indianapolis, how they use defensive personnel. Mm-hmm. They were like 85% in, in nickel. They they very seldom use three linebackers. Right. Might even be 90%. It's like Buffalo. Buffalo, Buffalo plays a 4-2-5. And that's pretty much what Indianapolis plays. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, you might have six, seven games – during the course of a, of a game, a regular season game, now they did in the preseason, but during the regular season game, had that Sam linebacker in there. That's why the Sam has got to be a backup, really, to the inside guys. Mm-hmm. You know, be able to play both the Will and the Mike position. So if, if that's the case, and the nickel in this defense 
the way Flus says, you know, what he's being asked to do, he's got to do some blitzes and, and, and run support and stuff. If you're going to say this guy's going to be my nickel, then you, you can't have him working outside and then work him inside. You got to have him staying at one place. And they had the guy they had in Indianapolis last year, I think went to the pro bowl. Mm, okay. Yeah. What's his name again? I forgot. I can't, I can't think of more or something like that. Somebody in the chat will save us with that one. Um, I want to, I want to get your thoughts, pick your brain on this process that is going on right now at Hallis hall and at 31 other NFL offices. Do they have a big board of all the potential drops and you know if this guy drops we immediately make a claim if this guy drops he's our second choice is that how this process works well you have a board just like you have a draft board you have a, a free agent board or whatever and it's but potential guys yeah, i was right more um potential list of guys that that could be cut you haven't prioritized and then you have you know, veteran names, there's veteran names included in that. And really you got to have two groups of names separated by veteran and, and, and young player and rookies and stuff. So, cause who can they bring in for the practice squad? You're only allowed X amount of veteran players on your practice squad. I think it's four or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, they, they, they're working with a thing, but, it's this is where it can get confusing. There's going to be names that are going to get cut, and you know, Bears fans are going to say, "Why aren't they got to put a claim in for him?" Well, number one, you could put a claim in for the guy, but there's going to be seven teams in front of him. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of those seven could do it. The other thing is you want. Sometimes you put in multiple claims and you prioritize the claims. Okay, so I want this guy first, this guy second, this guy third. If you get number one, two and three are out the door, even though you put claims on them because you, you only want one. Right. Okay, and, and you prioritize who you want, and you're allowed to do that at any time during the year, but especially, you know, during this this uh, cut down phase. And then the last part is, well, who's he going to replace? You know, and, and the toughest place to bring in a player, at least in the short term is wide receiver Mm -hmm. because, you know, an offensive lineman, defensive lineman, you know, except for a little bit of terminology, the guy's probably done sometime in his past something similar to what they're doing here on the offensive line and the defensive line. So it's not as hard to get a guy up to speed. You could pick up a guy on, on waivers this week and, at one of those two areas and he'd be ready to go week one. Wide receiver is a different story. It could take him two to three weeks to catch on and be, a com- and, and be comfortable um, and that doesn't surprise me there. Who put up that Bears cut? You did? 
Yeah, I just put that up. Uh, came through on Twitter. The Bears have cut wide receiver uh, Kevin Shaw, the recently acquired interior offensive lineman Corey Dublin, and uh, defensive back John Alexander. Poor John, it's the second time he's been cut in the preseason. Yeah, no, not, none of those. Uh, he, you know, you could blow on on Kevin Shaw and he'd fall over. <laughs> he's only he only weighs about a buck and a half, and and uh, you know, real real tiny guy. He can run though, and that's why he was signed. You know, he's a sub four four guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I don't think no man says Alexander surprise cut. No, they only brought him back because that he understood the defense and they had guys hurt. Mm-hmm. You know, he was already cut once before. I'll tell you the one that surprised me, and that surprised me that he got cut, but how they did it is the one guy they cut yesterday for a non football illness. Mm-hmm. You know, why was that done on Sunday? Mm. Is there something there that they didn't even want him on the building in month, you know, in the building on Monday with the other players? Yeah, interesting. Um, I'm making a note here because I wanted to ask you about uh, what happened with injuries. What do you make of this Roquan Smith situation? Do you really believe that he felt a little tight, or do you believe, like some fans are saying, nah, he he decided to make a business decision and not play? That that's the first thing I thought. Mm -hmm. Now, who's who's to say? I, you know, sure. And and you know what? That's one thing you could if you say you're tight. Mm-hmm. They're in the doctor in the world that can disprove you. Yeah, that's right. And uh, Iberflus was asked about that after the game. He says, whose decision was it? And his response is, we all decided together. Uh, so if this was something that was debated uh, and they tried to encourage Roquan to get out there, uh, it Iberflus did a good job in terms of disguising that. Uh, it seemed like everything was amicable. So um, the other question that I have for you is that non bears related. So I hate to skip to it, but I want to make sure I get your thoughts on this because I know well, I, want, I, want, I want to go back to something because we, Please, you, go ahead. you put the cuts on there and then <laughs> I didn't finish what I was talking about. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it takes a receiver a few weeks at least to get up to speed, to feel comfortable, to be able to play fast within right. the system. So, are you going to bring in a receiver who is not totally comfortable with this kind of system or never played in this system, doesn't know the terminology? You know, because basically you're you're giving your receivers a short number going into the opening game if that's the case. Mm-hmm. You know, so, you know, I, I, I think that even though people want one and, and, you know, if, if the right one is there, I'm sure they're going to, you know, put in a claim and and hopefully they'll get them. The thing is, you know, with with the claims, it's guys less than four years in the league. Mm-hmm. Okay. With a vested vet, theoretically, he can say, okay, if he's cut at, you know, the waiver wire comes out at three o'clock in the afternoon tomorrow. If a vested vet is that, and technically, if he are, if he, he puts on Twitter that he's cut, they've released. You know, Joe Schmo, the 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 Buffalo Bills have released me, um, or his agent puts it out, or whatever. Mm-hmm. You can call it. You don't have to wait for the waiver period, or or, or anything. I can call him right away. Get a contract done. Mm-hmm. 
And then you got to, and, and then you sign the, you literally sign the contract the next day and then you cut somebody else. Okay. So it, it's two different, it works different ways. You got to wait till waivers come out on, on Wednesday at noon mm-hmm. and the league calls you right away. And they're going to say, you know, if, you, if they're going to tell you if you lost somebody or if any of the claims you put in, you got. Okay. So you're you're gonna know it right away, and then you can you know they say you gotta there's a uh, in, in the um, waiver wire that's come out the last few days they there's in red typing because I get a copy of the waiver wire every day oh, cool. that it said you can't sign guys to the practice squad until the waiver wire comes out the next, you know, that day, mm-hmm. so Wednesday afternoon and waiver wire is not going to come out until two, maybe three with the, with the, actually it's, it's 12 o'clock Eastern time. So it's 11 o'clock here, but the league calls you right away and tells you every team in the league, as soon as they get that phone call is signing their practice squad guys. <laughs> yeah. You know, as soon as they get the, the like, hey, he's he's cleared waivers, he's good to go, uh, and he's eligible for your practice squad, they do it right away. If you waited for the, the waiver wire, you'd be waiting until, you know, four in the afternoon before you got that done. Yep. I once heard the expression, I forgot who said it, but that uh, general managers, player personnel people, at this point of the season most of them have fallen in love with the people on their roster and they are highly unlikely to pick up a a wide receiver who's been dropped by another team to uh take over for a wide receiver on your squad uh because that wide receiver on your squad you picked them up you signed them he's learned your offense why bring in a a total stranger uh to uh, try to get him up to speed with the season underway. So um, there's some truth to that. The exception being, if you've got a history with the guy that's on the street, that would make a lot of sense. Absolutely. So if Getsy, you know, knows the receiver and and vouches for him, then that that's a difference. Yes. Yes. Gotcha. All right. I wanted to ask you about this disturbing situation. I know you're a big fan of the Buffalo bills, the highly, highly regarded punter Matt Orzari uh, has Arazia, I think Arazia, I'm sorry, I apologize. Um, Arazia has been accused of a, a heinous sexual act. Uh, he's uh, being sued by a, a woman along with some other guys. And um, the issue is, did the NFL drop the ball here? Because apparently, according to NFL.com and uh, this morning's show, Good Morning America, there was news that a lot of the teams prior to the draft were aware of these allegations against him. Okay, I'm gonna, I, let me let me tell you what I know. And, and Excellent. First of all, there's never charges filed. Mm-hmm, right. Ever. And this incident happened well over a year ago. So there was nothing legal done until the other day when the lawsuit was filed. And the lawsuit is a civil suit, similar to what happened with Deshaun Watson, and not a 
criminal suit. So now, now chances of getting money in a civil suit are easier than it is of getting a conviction uh, in a uh, um, criminal trial. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, and I'm not sticking up here for for Arazia mm-hmm. or whoever the other two guys are, and and their names, you know, they're they're not playing in the NFL, so their names haven't been been mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um, if when you read some of the stuff in the civil suit. Mm-hmm. Why the hell wasn't an arrest made if, in fact, that is accurate stuff? Right. Okay. Now, there's a couple things that are very close to me that were similar, and so I'm not going to talk about it on here. But, you know, and again, I'm not, I don't want to get hit by people that I'm sticking up for a, a predator or something, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I just, I think you got to make sure, you know, what's the truth? This country's been based on you're innocent until proven guilty. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of allegations that, and, and you know, I'm just saying he isn't guilty of anything. He hasn't been charged with anything. And he was, might not innocent in anything. We just don't know. You got to let the process play out. And uh, something did happen. There's no question. He he has admitted to that, mm-hmm. you know. But I just find it weird that, you know, after reading some of the stuff on uh, in in the civil suit, that if that in fact happened the way it happened, why wasn't there an arrest? Um, the Bills claim they did not know anything until the last month. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I believe that because again, there, there's no arrest. Now, one guy I was talking to said, "Well, there was um, talk about it on campus. Well, talk about the event, yes, but again, go back to the legality part of no criminal action." Something happened at a party, you know, and, and, and something happens at a lot of parties. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't necessarily mean the law was broken. And I'm just trying to play in the middle here. Sure. You know, and, and um, I'm not taking sides at all. Uh, for, for his sake, you know, I guess I don't know if I'm saying this the right way. The allegations, you know, he's losing a career over this, so the allegations better be right. Mm-hmm. Because what the hell is he going to do if Counter- they turn out not to be? Counter sue is is what his rights would uh, allow him to do. Um, yeah, but he still doesn't have a job. Yeah, right. Yeah, who's who's paying for that? Right. So yeah, it, it, this is it's always an unpleasant thing when it happens and, and, and you not know a, what happens when something like that happens it's it's like between the media and fans you're already machine gunned to death before any you know just on the allegation mm-hmm. you know but, when Doug Dyer says by me he said you can't say there's no criminal charges and wonder why there's no arrest 
you're answering your own question. No, I'm not. I'm saying if 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 it's, if indeed what the what is stated in the the civil suit actually happened, why wasn't there an arrest? I'm not answering my own question. I'm asking a question. Mm -hmm. Well, I think what he's trying to say is probably there wasn't a crime committed. Uh, so perhaps that's what he's saying. Well, if there wasn't a crime committed. What's all the I'm again? I'm you know just playing devil's advocate. What's all the hub hub about? Mm -hmm. Well, the other girl was seventeen, and again, did they know she was seventeen? I mean, that has been reported. Um, I saw that. Um, well, I heard it uh, on NFL Good Morning today that it was a seventeen-year-old. Right. I, I that when it came out, it said she was a seventeen-year-old girl. I don't know. I'm not a lawyer. Mm -hmm. But if a girl says she's 18 and she's not 18, are you, in fact, breaking the law? I don't know the answer to that. Right. Well, and, and again, we don't know all the details. So, you know, we'll, we'll table discussions on that. But it is, unfortunately, the, the point that was made uh, on the uh, Good Morning Football, one of the co-hosts said, if the NFL was aware of this prior to the draft, they shouldn't they have sent a memo to all 32 teams that there have been allegations against this particular player? Wouldn't that make it better in, for everyone? In, in most cases, they usually do. Okay. Okay, and that's why I'm saying, what allegations? There was never an arrest. But there was a civil suit already. But the civil suit didn't take place the civil suit wasn't filed until last week yeah um i think i think what happened is that the lawyer for this woman contacted the nfl saying you know we have information regarding an allegation against one of the process they do that before the draft i i believe that is the case i believe that is the case so We'll do some more research on that, and if it bears uh, more discussion, we will do so. We certainly you know, to get back to the Bills, they did, in my opinion, absolutely the right thing, and because they don't know the answers. Right. And now it becomes, if they keep the player, it's a distraction. Mm -hmm. And they're a team that wants to get to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Okay, they and and they've gotten a few. They've signed a few players. He being one of them that mm -hmm. that they thought could help them achieve that goal. Mm -hmm. So, you know, to keep him around would have just caused a distraction that the team as a whole just doesn't need. Mm -hmm. Jordan says, let's uh, be clear, Brandon Bean and, and Coach McDermott and Leslie Frazier are about as good as it gets in this league, high-quality people. Um, I don't think that's uh, anyone here is going to argue that. All right, um, let's uh, answer some questions before we get you out of here. I know you got an appointment coming up, uh, so we'll get through these as quickly as possible. Free Palestine wanted to know how you got into scouting. We've talked about that before. Let's table that for a further discussion on, on the business of scouting at, at another time. Um, 
Greg, <laughs> I know the answer to this one. Greg, you do not play fantasy football. <laughs> I don't even know how it works. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't know how it works. <laughs> I don't. I, I don't have a freaking clue. But I, I got a, a friend of mine who's behind me. He's an attorney mm -hmm. who plays it like three leagues. And he's always calling. I go, Josh, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, man, three leagues is a lot. I used to be in four or five, and it was like, this is ridiculous. I'm, I'm, I'm rooting against myself. My, my stepson used to call me, you mm -hmm. know, get ready for the draft. Should I take this? I don't know. I don't know. I, I have no idea how fantasy because I don't want to know. You know why? Because the first word, fantasy. <laughs> you know, I, I care about reality. Yeah, and go. reality is what's happening on the field. I love it. <laughs> And I got to say this too, because there's money involved. Uh -huh. When when I was working in the league, mm -hmm. you couldn't be involved in fantasy football. Oh yeah, it's different now. Well, so that that had a little bit to do with it too. Mm -hmm. um, Jay Capone, the Don, wants to know what do you think about defensive back Deontay Harris? He was added in the middle of camp. Right. I like him on the team, and I agree with the Don. You you like him? There's a a, a, a few corners there that probably three that have a shot at one spot. Mm -hmm. You know, when you look at it and uh, one is Jackson, Lamar Jackson, this guy. And then the guy who I've never really heard of, and he's played in the league a few years. We're in number 39. He made some plays the other night. Yeah. Um, uh, charged with an S and I never heard of the guy. I mean, it's like Stroman. And so, it's, you know, I, I, I think, you know, a bunch of spots are, are pretty much locked up and, and that you got three buying for one. Uh, who was it? I think Big Z had a thing where he had Duke Shelley making the team. Mm -hmm. God, I hope not. <laughs> You've never been a fan. <laughs> never. I, I, hey, I, I do not like short corners. <laughs> That's funny. Not this league. Um, all right. Uh, let's go to Nomad. Says, now would be the time if they ever wanted to bring in a new wide receiver a couple of weeks to get up to speed. I think that was the question that you wanted me to share. It's not really a question. But uh, isn't this the time uh, to bring in a guy as opposed to? No, I, I just talked about that five minutes ago, really. Right. I right. said that, that that's one position where it's difficult because it takes a while to get up to speed. Mm -hmm. unless you have had experience within the system. Mm -hmm. Now, if you've got experience with, and it doesn't necessarily say, say with Green Bay, but San Francisco, Green Bay, the people that use that same mm -hmm. system, the Rams terminology is pretty much the same, uh, where you can get up to speed and, and be ready to play right away. But let's say it's the Jets, just, just to piss off Jordan a little bit, um, that that's you know different different animal, mm -hmm. you know. So he's taking a roster spot, and he's not ready to step on the field. All right, got another one for you here, um, Jordan from Jordan. What does Greg think of Trey Lance? How did he write him up last year? Thoughts on Barry? Well, it was, yeah, it was last year. Um, personally, 
I see the um, the talent. I had a conversation that spring, so a few months before the draft, and I, I the conversation was with uh, Daniel Jeremiah, mm-hmm. and I said, "Why is everybody falling in love with this guy?" And he said, "It's because what he can be." Mm-hmm. And I said. Yeah, okay, I get that. But to take him in the top 10, that doesn't make sense to me. And I'll tell you what, played one freaking game and didn't play good his final year at North Dakota State. And you know, I grew up in, in an era where you wanted a quarterback to have eight, 900 throws on his resume. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, you know, that was one of Parcell's things. And this guy, first of all, they were a run-first team, not a pass-first team. He did lead them to a national championship the year before. But then COVID hit, and he plays one game. Mm-hmm. And very, very average in that game. He was like 11 out of 20. I don't even think he threw for 200 yards. Um so is the arm talent there? Yeah. Is the is the size and speed and athleticism there? Yeah. But don't forget, I mean, this guy goes, this is what I that baffles me. This guy's the what the third quarterback drafted. Mm-hmm. And I wasn't in love with the guy who went to the Jets. I thought he was a figment of people's imagination. You know, because level of cop, who the hell did BYU play? Yeah. And then a guy like Justin Fields totally outplays Trevor Lawrence in the playoffs. I mean, it wasn't like it wasn't even close mm-hmm. when they played each other in the same game. And, you know, puts up a big resume at Ohio State, competes for a national championship, puts up excellent numbers and he goes fourth overall of you know of of the quarterbacks and then you got a guy who played a rinky dig schedule at BYU they might have had one or two tough games and he looked shitty in a couple of them too and then Lance who plays one game I don't get that that that's not how I was brought up I know that they're looking at 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 uh Traits only, mm-hmm. but experience counts. You know, you, you look at the Jets guy, and the year before, he stunk. He, I mean, he was way low rated going into the season mm-hmm. and then jumped up. But, you know, they played a lot of little sisters of the poor. <laughs> 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 and last year when you watched the Jets, he still looked like they were playing for the you know, playing against four four of the little sisters of the poor. I mean, come on. Oh my gosh. They gave up three first rounders and a third for Trey Lance. Holy moly, that is unbelievable for a guy without that experience. Man, that doesn't make sense to me either. Um, all right, let me get a couple more in here. And I'm not saying he's not going to turn out to be a hell of a quarterback, mm-hmm. but he sure didn't look like it in preseason. 
He has not. He's been, you know, and and some of the. Exactly. I, I I'm going to say right now, Bears are going to win that opener. Ooh, if it mean, was on the road, it might be a different story. But they're right here. They're going to win. One oh nine. That's my. I you know, Flus's defense is going to do some stuff to confuse the hell out of that kid. Mm-hmm. My my buddy Oil Pound Willie was telling me he's a little bit worried about the Bears' pass rush. He hasn't seen a lot of pressure, and of course, you know it's preseason. What are your thoughts? Talk him off the ledge. <laughs> well, you know, Quinn really hasn't played. Mm-hmm. He's your best pass rusher. When you put him in there, you got to count for him, and that helps the other guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, they'll be fine, and and uh, they'll use Roquan a little bit, just like. Uh, Shaq Leonard was used with the Colts last year. Mm-hmm. Um, th- this is not a defense where Flus likes to blitz a lot, uh, but he will on occasion. I'll tell you, they they little wrinkle in, in the defense, and I, you know, I saw when it happened. Then I saw Jordan mentioned it on on Twitter, but right when I saw it, I said, "Oh, I liked it." You know, during the game, they had. Um, Jones drop into the middle zone. Yeah, I saw that. From the three technique, mm-hmm. and he takes a step upfield and then goes back, and I said, yeah, I like that little wrinkle. It's all done purposely. Yeah, Just to put it on tape to say, look what we can do. Yeah. And, and you know, now you got to be prepared for it. Love it. Love it. All right, JoJo has a question here. Is Greg still active scouting all NFL rosters for available talent? Would he contact anyone in the Bears front office if necessary to inform them of a player? No, I would I wouldn't contact anybody in their office because they got people are they're paying for that. Um I don't there's a few rosters that I look at closely, but 32, no. I, I am doing work for next year's draft for an agency Mm -hmm. and um, God, I've already written up 125 guys, maybe. Wow. Um, Based strictly on what they did in 2021. Is, Uh, is that for the shrine? uh, uh, No, I'm doing that too. Yeah. I was going to say, wow. The two two things, those things work together because if I'm doing it for one, I'm doing it for the other. Mm-hmm. What what a great group of people advising the East-West Shrine game. Holy cow, look at that. Mark May, Bucky Brooks, Will Shields, Dane Brugler, Amy Trask, uh, and Scott, I'm going to mispronounce his last one, 22 years in the NFL, and Mark May, of course. Great, great team. You guys have meetings? You have Zoom meetings or something like that, or everybody works uh, in Eric, Eric sends out a uh, email mm-hmm. um, once a week with stuff and then if you got any ideas you throw the ideas back he'll have some we haven't had them yet but there'll be some zoom calls mm-hmm. we're all going to be out there for the game um probably talk to the players i love nomad's comment here that you work secret service for the bears and you're swarming that secret sauce Oh, secret sauce. <laughs> I misread that. <laughs> all right last question we'll get you out of here um Greg, what player or players hit the hardest that you have ever seen? I'm going to guess you're going to say Lawrence Taylor. Uh, yeah, that's probably, uh, well, put it this most explosive hitter. Mm. Man, it's scary. 
he was a scary man. I might have told it on here. I I don't know. And actually, I I did not see it happen because mm-hmm. I wasn't with the Giants then. It was a year before, and but every and it's on tape, so I've seen it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was in a practice, and it was really one of the first live practices where they had the linebackers pass rushing against the running backs for the running backs to, um, you know, get better with their uh, pass blocking technique. So LT goes against, and I just had the name and I can't think of it now. You play uh, Rob, and I can't think of the last name now. And he went, played it at Miami of Ohio, and he was a, you know, probably played 10 years in the league. Good player. Mm-hmm. So he sets the block LT, and LT just jumps right over him. <laughs> and, and uh, you know, the guy looks at, at LT and goes, Rookie, don't ever do that again. Embarrass me like that again. LT just goes, Fuck you, block man. <laughs> I love it. Rob, Car- Rob Carpenter. <laughs> okay, Carpenter. I remember him. Yeah, he played a lot of times. Good player. Yeah, he's a good, very good player. But LT, like first day of, of real live stuff, ah, made a fool of him. Love it. A lot of people are mentioning Wilbur Marshall of the Chicago Bears on that hit list. Uh, yeah, Wilbur really delivered. Wilbur, yeah, not a very big guy either. Wilbur would still fit in today's game where you're playing with you know smaller linebackers because mm-hmm. he wasn't a big guy to begin with. Mm. Either was Mike Singletary. Yeah, amazing. Uh, Dick Butkus probably wouldn't fit into no. today's in game. Fact, that, that whole linebacking crew there with uh, Otis and and – all of them yeah. would play in today's game had, you know, if they were in their prime, mm-hmm. like they were in 85, 86. Mm-hmm. All right, uh, Greg, I know you've got another appointment. You're doing a radio hit uh, in about 40 minutes. Uh, you want to let people know what station that is? or Well, he, he does it later. We're just He's just recording it. Okay, all right. Um, so you'll uh, tweet that out when you can, and I uh, will let people know that tonight the Double A team is making their uh, final show here at the Barroom Network. They're going to either move to audio podcasts only uh, or they'll announce what they're going to probably do. But it's been a great show that's run for several months here uh, with two great guys, Ken Fang and Stephen Nagishi. That is tonight at 6.30. They have three fantastic guests, so don't miss that show. And then uh, we've got a special announcement as to who is going to take over that time slot. We'll s- save that for announcement for a little later. And then uh, tomorrow it's Dan and Aldo Bear Their Souls. We've got some really good guests uh, planned for tomorrow. We're just waiting for final conf- confirmation. So and we're, and we're doing a show Friday. And we are doing a show Fridays because on Friday we will have all of the roster cuts. We will know who has been picked up and so forth. So we'll have a pretty good idea of what this final roster is going to look like. Well, I don't use that word final. Ah, never use that word final. You know, only because <laughs> after game one, there's going to be changes. There this might go. be the game one roster. Right. It, okay. And, and, and even with, because there's still another week to go. Mm-hmm. Even that's not a lock, but it's probably 95%. Um, 
but we'll know who got cut, who's on the practice squad, who got put down on IR, if any, and, uh, you know, we can go from there. There you go. It's going to be fun. This is the place to follow all season long, the Barroom Network, and make sure you watch some of the past episodes of GTF. If you want to watch them on YouTube, we've got a playlist there. Just look for Gabriel Talks Football, and you can access all of the previous uh, uh, episodes of GTF. So with that, I will let you all go and uh, tell you to let your friends know about uh, what we're doing here. Take care, everybody. See you later. Thanks.